Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the Blue Go podcast with me, Andrew. Today I am in conversation with Sri Padna Chatterjee, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yes, that is that is correct. <laughs> Perfect. Would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself to our audiences, Sri Padna? Yeah, sure. Hi, uh, everyone who's listening in. I'm uh, I'm Sri Parna, Sri Parna Chatterjee, and uh, I'm a writer. And I've had uh, a background in psychology. I did my bachelor's in psychology for three years, and then I did my master's in writing for two years. I find myself at an intersection of uh, observation and of recording. Um, you know, human behavior, I think, is a good way to put it. And uh, yeah, I like mm-hmm. to read. I like to write poetry. I like to perform poetry. I like to be, uh, you know, um, just out and about in the world, just exploring whatever I can, however I can. So yeah, I think I think that's a good introduction, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's pretty great. That's pretty great. So yeah. uh, with that, so the way you say that you record or take note of human interactions? Is it that you have a little journal with you whenever you meet somebody, you make notes on them? <laughs> um, <laughs> or no? no, it's not that creepy. <laughs> it's not that creepy. I think... Like I, you're, you're in front of them, you said, wait a second, I'm making notes. <laughs> no, no, no. I wouldn't want to like uh, drive people away like that. No, that's... I think as a writer, because I've I've been writing since, uh, since a really young age. So I am mm-hmm. constantly sort of um, just... Like to me, people are characters, right? People are characters of their own stories and people are characters in my own story. So I'm just Mm -hmm. always uh, at this sort of lookout at looking at people and wondering like, why do they do the things that they do? And like, where does it come from? Mm -hmm. Why, Why does this happen? Why does that happen? And people to me are really fascinating. So I just, uh, yeah, I just like to observe and like to like, uh, make friends with people who are different than I am and get their perspectives, have different points of view in conversation. So, yeah, I think that's how I say it. Yeah. So when you look at people, what have you observed more in like the society that we're in, at least uh, if I'm to just speak about Delhi or Hmm. the people that you find in Delhi, what do you find more here? Do you find that there are more interesting characters, interesting people with their own perspective towards things or it's more that they are, you know, kind of weird, but weird in a good way or in a bad way. How would how would you put it there? Because as for my experience, if I say of people that I have seen, I guess I have met pretty interesting people, but I would also put them under the weird kind of bracket. Yeah, yeah. What would your experience be there, like? Um, you know, I think that's a that's an interesting question to ask because I have sort of. Um, understood Mm -hmm. the way that I look at people it really depends on on sort of my mood right so if I am going out and if I'm like conversing with someone and I do have uh, an inquisitive edge to to talk to them and I really want to get to know them I think that person will appear as very unique very interesting like every little detail about their life will be very interesting to me but if I'm going and if I'm having a conversation where I'm not really in the mood to have a conversation or I'm not really feeling right. the conversation particularly, I think I would just sort of club them in a, in a broad uh, category. And I think it's really sort of important to understand that, um, like, if I talk about Delhi and I've been here since, I mean, my whole life, I've met mm-hmm. all kinds of people from, from different cities as well and all kinds of people from, you know, different backgrounds, different, uh, different upbringings. So it is, I mean, it's, it's an interesting eclectic mix of people, but uh, 
I think it would be a little tough to club them under some kind of, uh, you know, one sort of umbrella term. So, yeah, right. I think people are interesting despite uh, of, of uh, how weird they are or how weird they get. <laughs> Sometimes we might just be catching them at their worst moment. So maybe that's the, that's the weirdness right. showing. But otherwise, yeah, I'm, I'm, I give people the benefit of doubt no matter what. Mm-hmm. So the weirdness, I, to clarify what I was catching on with weird. So mm-hmm. I feel however the person, whatever their perspective on life, when yeah. they're doing something, I've always wanted to understand what decisions in life led to them, you know, going with what they're doing right now or how they are uh, taking it up. For example, right. uh, I, I have been, uh, well, people have attempted to, uh, you know, commit fraud with me in such a mm-hmm. manner. <laughs> Recently, Sounds uh, interesting. <laughs> it, it is. It is. I'll tell you about it. So recently, yeah. uh, there was this person. So I was. Uh, we were to insure. We were to renew our health insurance that we do every year. So you okay. do get these, you know, calls from people who are actually not from insurance companies, but they act like people from con- companies, and they have your basic information. Actually, they have your name and date of birth, and they say, "Sir, right. now we will renew your policy." Hmm. And this it will be ten thousand cheaper from what you paid, but do it with us, and I'm sending you a payment link. So right. I tried, I I tried to hold this conversation with this person that I was speaking to recently. Yeah. He was acting on behalf of some company he acted like, but the okay. so be, my conversation was that okay, you send me an email, send me the details, you know, so I can figure hmm. out is he genuine. The hmm. email hmm. that came. You know, the name was of a company, but the sender was not a company email address, it was a private email address. Oh my the God. Gram- the grammatical errors in the email was not of a professional company that it would have come from. You know, things like that that right. made this person is not from there. You know, of he's course. just a person trying to have me pay him, you know, an X amount of money for something yeah. that is not going to take place. Another yeah. funny way yeah. I verified that was I have a spam email address that I created for one of my televisions, I would say. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I say I get all spam. I get such spam emails on that. I can't tell you. They're amazing mm-hmm. to see. <laughs> <laughs> Nigerian <laughs> prince wants a lack from you or something like that. Is that what? Yes. There's a, there was also a seemingly a woman who was contacting a Mr. Raju on my email saying that major <laughs> oh. Mr. Raju gave her the experience of her lifetime lifetime when she was in India and now she oh wants a supplier in India to supply to her in America. So like it's wow. nice. I can okay. be Mr. Raju. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this dude, I gave him this uh, email address of mine, which was a spam hmm. email address. I told yeah. him uh, he said, okay, I will get the policy number from your health insurer from this email, hmm. which is not hmm. registered them ever he calls okay. me after dinner, yes sir i've been able to get your policy number i have been able to talk to my team convince them and you've been approved oh my for god it. and i'm sending you the payment link please make the payment yeah. within a few hours yeah. i'll send you your like very nice yeah and i then i wanted to converse with him i said okay so get mm. I, I wanted to ask him his perspective i said aap, you know what is it that you do he said, sir, I work with this company. He said, no, what hmm. is it that you generally do? He's saying, what do you mean, sir? <laughs> mm-hmm. I said, okay, if you don't, if you're not doing that, then why did you, why do you do this? You know, then yeah. I guess this yeah. is what I was trying to say. He thought that I'm trying right. to, you know, inquire or, you know, inquire in a bad manner. So he's like hung up hmm. the phone. He, 
then he didn't call but then 10 other people started calling saying that yes we are from a different place <laughs> <laughs> yeah but see 9 times out of 10 i mean the kind of patience that you dealt uh, this man with i think 9 times out of 10 people will just cut the call at the first go they'll be like this is obviously a scam so we don't want to waste our time and talking but it's it you know it kind of brings me to sort of an interesting question that i i wanted to ask you as well and i don't know if mm. you felt this but like in the last no i mean not from scams but like like just how how people <laughs> no i'm definitely not going to ask you that i think it, the list is going to be too long but i think um, at least in the last 5 years particularly yeah. in the last 5 years what i've noticed is that there has been such um like i i want to say such a throw up of information right where people mm-hmm. have access to the internet most people have access to the internet most people have access to like a smartphone where they can sort of look at um, instagram look at google look at whatever and get mm-hmm. very like, base level information or very superficial information and sort of mm-hmm. um, go about their day with that so i i i've personally noticed that the last 5 years has been a huge information overload where people haven't really gotten to the point of like forming a baseline understanding of a concept and they've just taken bits and pieces that favors them and they just go off of that so what what do you think do you think that is true do you think it happened Yes, yes, I I do say say that is very true, and it it has taken place in the last couple of years. For example, mm. I could say, uh, let's talk about the COVID situation. I am not debunking any theories. I am not going to a conspiracy theory corner here, saying that it's not true. It is very true. Yeah, COVID is yeah. very true. It is happening to a lot of people. But the information right. overload from so many sources, so many places, is. so i don't know it can sometimes be so overbearing on at least a few people that they go yeah. into mode of feeling scared about it you know it is absolutely there are few precautions that you take there was a time when there was swine flu was a epidemic in india in 2010 mm. i remember it yeah but as far as i can recall there wasn't so much of an information overload every 10 minutes you were not getting a in short notification on your mobile saying that so many people are getting covid and now you should be scared for your life or sorry right sorry. right so the same i feel too much information has been very toxic also for a lot of people you know now you go on news channels also the same uh, the prime time coverage is acha if there's something that's in the news or a topic pick it up for yeah. five days after that throw it aside you never really heard hear about it again unless it's from like you know the True. small print media articles or whatever so there yeah, yeah. information out there to verify each source is also time consuming that's why people yeah it's painstakingly difficult people believing whatsapp forwarded messages <laughs> in it's terrible culture <laughs> But like generation that we've come into, which is just information from everywhere without having the slightest bit of verification. It's it's like it's a disease. I find that you know people lap it up so easily. And I'm not just talking. Obviously, not just. Um, it's not limited to just our generation. I think a lot of people across uh, different age groups will mm-hmm. will agree and sort of will be victim to this, where they read one thing and just because they think it's coming from like a group of their friends. It's, it's a truth. truth. It's a fact, but it usually it's isn't. Absolutely, absolutely. So and I this also sort of um, mm-hmm. I mean it, and I've pondered over this question 
a million times with by myself and with my friends as well do you think that there is um there is a solution to this do you think that we can like get to a point where information overload can be clubbed with actual understanding can be clubbed with patience can be clubbed with verification of that information do you think there is a way out so again it comes to the fact to the people who are deli- it comes to the point of who are the people that are delivering it to us right if there are mm, certain news yeah. media outlets there are a lot of news media outlets that are only concerned with their coverage the people that click on the ads or their prompters or their clickbait ads you know so people yeah. there are there are only there are some organizations that are only concerned with that and at the end of the day until their own system won't change i don't feel that on a personal level you can do anything that you can educate the people around you can educate your elders on this information you can tell them that this is what you can look out for or this is how you can tell it's a scam or this is not true yeah but unless yeah. it is those people who are actually feeding us with the information that change the way they do it or the way they show it to the people i don't really think hmm. we will we'll move anywhere from there you know most of it is yeah like i still remember when i think <laughs> this is a very funny thing i remember in 2000 something uh, when you know the mars rover was going towards mars or hmm. I- india mm-hmm. sent something towards mars you know calling it mom or something yeah. if i remember correctly yeah so i was yeah. going through news channels and i abruptly i guess i stopped on india tv for like a minute oh yes god my and this whole animation going on you know and this they created a goddamn song for it they called it mangala 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 <laughs> oh my god and i remember that tune the presenter, yeah. the presenter there was standing on the surface of mars before the rover reached and he was talking about the oh atmosphere and how it is like breathing on there and i'm like who is doing what with this information <laughs> this is required this is yeah what to get out of that what do you achieve it is become more of a you know news channels i feel are more concerned becoming with reality tv shows where there is more drama yeah they've become i don't even think they're news channel they're fit to be called news channels anymore i think it's just pure comedy because the kind of news reporting that that most of these particularly hindi news channels or even some english news channels do it's just mm-hmm. it's bizarre it's like borderline absurd comedy routine that's happening and men women all kinds of anchors are just like i don't know if you remember there was this uh, very recently baba ramdev was uh, pretty like popular on one news channel where like the news anchors were doing yoga with him <laughs> and you know it like it's become a joke news has become a joke it's just become like a laughing stock for everyone to just be like haha look how miserable our country is and we're just laughing about it. so yeah kind of it's just become more of that you know some of these headlines at least what i remember first it would be like you know uh, masaledar khabar or you know spicy news or spicy headlines yeah. so it's become more of a spicy yeah. chit chat between two anchors and the audience that is watching instead of them actually giving them facts and representation of what's taking place which is very yeah we are what i felt with you know i was discussing this recently with one of my friends i was talking about deep fake videos are you aware of that um mm-hmm. so so we as a generation of you know you and i people of our age group or maybe people older than us are aware of deep fakes are, are yeah. aware that okay this can be yeah 
but then the general danger that comes into that is that tomorrow right. if there is a deep fake created of let's say the north uh, north korean leader saying that i'm going to do a nu- nuclear attack what is yeah. going to verify that <laughs> what source is going to stop a war from taking place before anything has because you know they themselves are very isolated people they can be yeah so there are absolutely there are very different things and different perspectives these things can be seen from and i'm think i feel personally at least we are stepping into an age of you know uh, a lot more danger around us with this overbearing mm. information that we have been led to now it might be yeah but after a few years we may just say you know okay this has gotten too much you know absolutely absolutely and you know what i think is is uh, the biggest sort of gap that happens is that when we're in school mm-hmm. i mean both you and i we remember like we were taught some really unnecessary stuff in school right we we are not going to remember half the things that our math classes or history classes or political science classes taught us mm-hmm. in school but in like once you take a jump into the the quote unquote the real world which is you know college and mm-hmm. then your higher education and then your jobs there is such a huge gap between what your basics are which is supposed to be like okay learn how to budget learn how to do your taxes learn how to to spend for a family of four learn how to like conduct yourself in a social situation learn how to face the corporate world etc etc mm-hmm. which are life building skills essentially mm-hmm. so we don't have that we just have this huge like just unnecessary information uh, foundation mm-hmm. and then we jump into this overload of information where everything is just coming on to us one by one and we have no sort of bandwidth to handle what exactly is being told to us so we're just all confused and we're depressed and we don't know what to do we don't have a clue exactly that is why a lot and- of a lot of new corporations or companies that are even there when you take a job up with them even after you've finished your college or schooling they still make you study they yeah. still make you take tests i know yeah. people that are working at i would say cisco right i i guess i can take mm. their name mm. there is no any <laughs> <laughs> Oops! <laughs> Maybe bleep it out. <laughs> Maybe we, just be like. We just call it Cisco, I guess. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's much better. Now. I, I like that. I yeah. know this person who works there. He was talking to me about how yeah. he's having to take uh, tests over the weekend. The company is making them study okay. their own curriculum and making them give. Uh, mm. while they are working for the company they have to sit down and give examinations knowing that okay this is what the company teaches us so that shows me that yeah. what did you do all those years when you were in school except you know uh, being overburdened with a certain amount of uh, pressure from people okay even if your parents weren't the kind who pressurized you into getting a certain set of grades or you know the culture that sometimes does take place here where you are pressurizing to get yeah. a number <clears> or you examples right. of other people succeeding in front of you that is still not yeah. happening you are still yeah you know going with that thought ki if somebody is doing better than me i have to compete i have to do better but even after where right. you left you both are nearly at the same position isn't it i at least what i mm. have seen it is different for people from certain colleges we could say iits iims those not everybody gets a good you know package from those places as well but those people find yeah. more success even outside of india a lot of them don't stay in india i guess most true most of, of the time when somebody is in iit if you talk to them 
which I have spoken to quite a few mm. people, most of them think of going to America or shifting out of India. Nobody has till they told me, oh, well, I might stay back in India, you know, unless they're doing something of their own, yes. unless they're starting a company, which now in the recent years has also right. become a big difficulty for a lot of people, so to say. Yes, everyone's an entrepreneur. Everyone's doing like, you know, and I, I get that it's good. And obviously I do understand because a lot of... Uh, pre-existing companies make it very difficult for uh, people to get into the culture of it. So I I do understand that people want to do their own thing. They want to sort of start something from ground up, but it takes a lot of learning. It takes a lot of like, I mean, you would know you've, you've had your bakery for over four years now. And I'm sure that you've like, when it was the first year and when you were just sort of starting to get mm-hmm. into it, it must've been like Helen back to to deal with all the legalities to do to deal with all the finances yes, and everything. Yes, so yeah, it's managing like, from the beginning becomes difficult for a lot of people. But then I think the dedication yeah. put towards it that takes you to the end. I would know people who have started True. things, but then after six months they would also shut it down, saying that okay, this is not really happening. But you have only taken up those mm-hmm. six months of the hardship that has been there. You've not really gone, you know, more than that, so to say. Yeah. So then what would you say to, to people like that? Like, how would you uh, get people to keep going at it, despite the hardship and despite the difficulty? I guess it's like every little thing. No, uh, Once you have a small achievement that your, your achievements built up, like if you if I've had four small achievements, and I'm having one bad day, I will mm-hmm. look back towards those achievements and what led me to going to go towards them and how I went through with them. So saying it if I right. started out uh, very basic, but then my achievement, my first mm-hmm. achievement was within a few weeks, I was able to go and, you know, uh, place my products in a few mom and pop stores around uh, Delhi or around my area. So that came right. as an achievement, even right. when I felt, oh, how do I find GST? How do I find a correct chartered accountant to file my GST? Because if you yeah. have a yeah. good chartered accountant, they can really do you over unless you yeah i'm sure i'm sure so so with that with that i would also like to understand your perspective on how it has been understanding people around you have has anybody become a character for you in anything that you have written have you written something that our audiences can also find or get to know your perspective on Oh wow! Um, I feel I feel like a little bit of an expose, <laughs> uh, like artists saying that that yeah, of course people have um, found uh, themselves in my stories a lot, particularly my mm-hmm. poetry. But I did um, when I when I was doing my mm-hmm. masters, um, I did my masters in creative writing and literary right. art. So we were required to write uh, a long text, which could be like a series of essays. It could be a novel. It it could be like a novella, it could be whatever, but it had to be a significant amount of work, obviously, for it to be yeah. a thesis. And I did I did a novella in, in my second year, and I was uh, one of my college friends um, from Jamia, which was my bachelor's uh, yeah. alma mater. I included her in my as my protagonist for my for my novella. And I remember asking her that... Uh, 
could i can i use your name can i maybe like take a couple of traits can of I yours and make it into that number <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it was it was really interesting and she was she was kind enough about it so she uh, she let me and i informed her i told her that this is how the story has come around and uh, you know if you want you can mm-hmm. read it and uh, yeah i have i i write uh, i write poetry i write a lot of things with people around me Give in us my a little mind snippet of all so, of your story something that you would feel that you know you can just get off with on the back of your mind something that you remember out of one of your stories mm-hmm. maybe a few lines some anything mm-hmm. yeah okay let me let me just quickly think within the span of 5 seconds which one i can tell you um yeah so okay um i'll, I'll just sort of uh, extract some of the bits of the novella itself so um the the story that i wrote for my thesis was basically a girl uh, who's coming to terms with um, who she is and who she wants to be as as her final sort of identity and you know who she's going to be when she's she's an adult so it's set between like the sort of coming of age uh, uh, period so like you're 18 to 20 years of age where you're just starting to become a real person and uh, she finds herself in love with uh, mm-hmm. a woman and against what her parents have taught her against everything that she's been sort of conditioned to believe in and to to think that this is the right way she's trying to find herself a, a way out and trying to express her affection right. for this one girl and while she's doing all of this she's also torn in between whether to fully just go all out and express herself and just be her true self and and you know just live that life and being a good daughter being uh, somewhat obedient to her parents being thankful and grateful to her parents for you know doing as much as they did for her so it's a very it's it's sort of domestic i would say in a way that i know a lot of people go through that there a lot of people want to do a certain thing in life or want to be a certain person in life but they're also tied down by the kind of uh, environment that they're uh, yeah. raised in so yeah it's it's to show the struggle between that and to emphasize the i think the importance of that struggle in one's life because that moment really um, it can make or break who you are it can make or break a lot of parts of your identity and i just wanted to showcase that the importance of right. that so yeah was the summary it's right. really interesting but at the same time if somebody would like to read through the whole thing is there some place that we they can find it or is it like link somewhere what would you say or is it all personal to you as a um it's it i mean it was my academic work so i have it with me on my laptop under my you, academic work but um, no i haven't really published it you know what this this is a good idea thank you i might just publish it uh, after this after a little bit of editing yeah i will i think i will so at the same time what uh, difficulties and challenges did you face while you know uh, taking up this creative side uh, at least what i am seeing the environment that we are in here you know people who are more creative or want to be more creative in their uh, work often often face a lot of yeah. criticism maybe from the people around them or maybe the people that they meet and see or talk about you know that this is what i'm doing and then you know right. there are certain comments that may follow so uh, is that something that you have faced mm-hmm. what is your experience when you know with all of this would you like to elaborate on that you know 
yeah yeah you know touchwood my experience so far at least with the people around me in terms of family and friends it hasn't like there hasn't been that much of a pushback in terms of like no uh-huh. don't do this like this is not the way for you i've been uh, fairly supported and i've been like able to get at what i wanted but i think the biggest uh, sort of i don't know demon under the bed if i if i can call it that is um, self doubt i think self doubt amongst creative people is such a huge huge problem because naturally and systematically creativity has always been like it's towards the left it's not the mainstream it's like off the beaten right. path and everything so you you have to work extra hard to make mm-hmm. your name uh you know know be be someone of importance in in creative field so and there is so much competition there is such a heck load of competition around you because everyone's you know especially with instagram <laughs> now everyone's a writer everyone everyone and everything you know so it's it's tough in the sense that it makes you really stop and think uh, about your practice as as a creative person about your entire routine mm-hmm. as a creative person so as long as you have i suppose the the basics of what you're doing as in why am i doing this where is this going to get me am i happy mm-hmm. doing this um do i see myself you know consistently doing this for the rest of my life i think if you can ask yourself these questions and have a concrete mm-hmm. answer to that then i think it's it becomes a lot more um you become a lot more confident about the practice of yourself as an artist but uh, self doubt can be a huge it can be like a crippling thing for a lot of creative people because like you see so many people doing so many things and then you immediately retreat into like the cave of like it's better if i just don't do it at all it's fine other people are doing it might as well just chuck mm-hmm. it out of the window so yeah it's right. so that that question again comes into play right that why am i doing this if there's if there's already this person there then that again that question that okay they yeah. may be better than me or may, they may not be better than me but they're still there built up on yeah. if not yeah. so yes that doubt that is there's always yeah. prevailing but how do you get through it what what makes you go through it and what makes you you know is that the same thing like you said that if you've got your base that is strong enough then you can withstand it or is there some other thing that you see that makes you go through with uh, these questions that you may face at times you know questions that you ask yourself what's your motivation yeah um i think the base uh, the baseline of why you're doing what you're doing is definitely very important but this is something like this is something that i've embodied in my life and i was taught in my two years of taking mm-hmm. literary art and writing that no matter what people do even if it's 10 people doing the mm-hmm. same thing right if it's 10 people eating a burger let's say those 10 people under the umbrella of mm-hmm. eating a burger are going to eat their burger very differently they're right. going to chew very differently they're going to digest very differently they're going to the whole process will be very different because you're unique individual human being so for me context really mm-hmm. really matters so when i write a story of a of a young girl going through some struggles of mm-hmm. growing up and everything there are thousands and millions of young girls who are probably going through the same thing right they can relate to the fact that oh yeah i i have had fights with my parents i've had this and that i've had disagreements but i still want to be a good uh, a good child and listen to them blah 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 so within that even though it's an umbrella thing even though it's like a general thing every experience of every different context will be completely different so the way they move through arguments the way they talk to their to their family the way they 
de-stress, the way they cope, the way everything will be different. And that is why, like, I think it's very important to allow yourself that that uh, kindness to know that, yeah, 10 other people may be doing the same thing, but they're not doing it like I'm doing it. It's only going to be me and it's only going to like, I am the only person who can do it the way I do it. And you have to have that confidence within yourself to know that my context and my way of thinking is going to be, it's just going to be personalized to me and and no one's going to be able to copy that bit by bit, detail to detail. So yeah, context Hmm. definitely matters. Moving from that, like understanding that if you have, like if you have your own context or are able to, you know, keep your base strong by yourself without having to doubt if this person can copy right. what I'm doing because obviously nobody even really have the touch or the feeling that you provide with your work, right? That's that's what we're trying to say, basically. Right, right. That's a, that's a, that's a very right. great point. No, but wanting to understand, like your characters, like you said, they're inspired from the people around you. So the stories that you think about or if you are mm-hmm. writing about, does some of it also get inspired from your personal life or it's mostly because mostly from the people around you or the people you've spoken to? How would you say most of your characters are then yeah, I would say my a lot of my personal life, I mean, particularly earlier on when I was just starting to write, it would be basically like a cathartic experience of just like every piece of writing would be like a journal entry. But I learned that for my writing to be good and to last through different readers and mm-hmm. through different times, it needs to have a certain level of detachment. It needs to be a little bit f- like it needs to be removed from my exact outpouring onto a piece of paper. It needs to have, if not complete objectivity, a slight bit of an mm-hmm. objective lens maybe. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it still continues to be uh, somewhat taken from my personal experiences and the, the place that I live mm-hmm. in and the people that I meet, but I try and I try and mix it with um, enough sort of, I don't know, umbrella-ness or generalization to make it a little bit more appealing to other people as well. But because at the mm-hmm. end of the day, when you're a writer, you're not just writing for yourself and, you know, you, you're writing for other people to read as well because you want to move people, you want people to read what you've written and to be able to think and contemplate and introspect and all of that. So for that to happen, your writing needs to be not a journal entry, basically. It needs to be a piece of writing that people can connect with, mm-hmm. at least on some level, even if it is to criticize it, even if it is to just right. take it apart and right. trash it and whatever. It needs to have certain sort of um, detachment within yourself to be able to like go out as a I piece see. of writing. But at the end, how, how would you say that you yeah. uh, find that balance? How have you been able to personally, like let's say somebody who's listening to this is having their trouble finding a between, you know, making yeah. it sound like, like you like said, uh, you know, journal entry, where you're talking about your own actions and having that yeah. detachment from it, you know, not making it personal, but also having hmm. that little personal touch to it that uh, makes you unique. How do you find that balance? Hmm. What has been your path to finding that balance? You know, obviously there is no easy answer, but how would you like? Would you- yeah, um, that's that's actually a very very good question because I think even though I am still struggling to find the complete balance of it, and I'm not there yet, I think the biggest um, differentiator for me within the writing that I publish or the writing that I give out to the world versus Mm -hmm. the writing that I do is that the writing and the kind of work that one publishes or 
keeps for other people it can't be on a whim it has to be a disciplinarian like a disciplinarian thing mm-hmm. where you wake up at a certain time or you devote a certain chunk of your day to writing or to reading mm-hmm. either reading or writing i mean in my mm-hmm. opinion reading and writing both but yeah it has to be like a routine it can't be on a whim that oh today i feel like writing a chapter so i will write a chapter or today i feel like writing a mm-hmm. poem so i'll write a poem it has to come from a place of like you have to treat it like your work right it is your life's work it is your it is your practice it is your art it is your creativity so you have to treat it like work you have to put in the effort it can't just be like an easy breezy right. cover girl moment where you're like oh my god i just got inspired <laughs> and it was just it came to me in a dream it, i i have i mean i still have moments of that and i will grant anyone who who goes through that uh, phase of like intense creative burst where they're getting ideas on ideas mm-hmm. and they're writing every day but once mm-hmm. that burst ends you know then what are you left with so you have to make it a, a discipline thing you mm-hmm. have to make it a routine that even when you're having your bursts even when you're having your you know good moments mm-hmm. of creativity and ideas it shouldn't fall back into nothingness once that moment's gone so your journal entries can come your journal entries can be like your daily thing it can be like on a whim it can be two lines long it can be a word long where you just write <laughs> f u c k right. and, and and you're done but uh, but your writing if it's if it's your actual creative pursuit then you have to give it the the worth and the value of an actual piece of work rather than just being it like a whimsical so, thing so yeah that that's that's a very nice way of putting it so you're trying you would say that there's more of a professionalism that you need to inculcate yourself into your writing absolutely absolutely yeah you need to be a professional about it you can't be like just because i'm creative yeah. i'm going to be you so know lacks with like my own they, work like yeah. i was saying some people do lose their balance and that for some it becomes that okay this is something like you said you know writing mm. it on a certain day well today i'm feeling sad so i'll write a sad piece yeah. of poetry that really important because that sadness is not going yeah. to last throughout that is going to be that yeah and then you're yeah, going to hit absolutely. this block the second day when you are and- not sad definitely i mean even if you're sad and you want to write a sad piece of poetry go ahead and do that but the next day when you're not sad anymore write a piece of poetry that talks about the i don't know the the tree and it getting cut down and why it's getting cut down and how the tree feels i don't know whatever you know i'm just <laughs> just picking a random example but yeah it it has to go on beyond it, your mood so space. there has to be a certain flow to it you would say right instead of just Come, yes. coming to yes, a point absolutely. and then just writing about it and saying oh well i've written something today and let's promote it <laughs> I, I, yeah, so i i get yeah. what you're saying because if you're looking to earn out of their writing right if a writer or a poet or anyone who's who's looking to sort of make a living out of their writing it's like no publisher or no literary agent is going to go with your whims of like today i felt like writing one chapter so i wrote one chapter the next 10 days i didn't feel like it so i didn't write it like no one's going to take that crap no one's going to be like oh, okay i understand you have you're a creative no person you're allowed your madness these days with all yeah. the instagram yeah absolutely not so absolutely what, not what is your opinion on like you were talking about everybody being a writer these days on instagram Your opinion on you know those yeah. people not that they are calling out anybody. Would you like to call out somebody? Suddenly, <laughs> <laughs> this 
becomes like a tea channel tea podcast where i'm like spilling the tea name in the description of this <laughs> oh my I'm god not, not no i don't i don't think i'm calling out anybody what is your general opinion on the people who yeah. you know take it as a whim what do you feel on them what what is your feeling on such people or such entities um this you know they, what i think i think no, i'm going to say your grand your they come under your different characters of people like you were mentioning in the ஒரு <laughs> i i do like the fact that a lot of people have um, you know have the freedom of of posting their thoughts and posting their uh, work on instagram and like making a following out of it and everything but um, i mean again i i'm no one to judge why people write and what reasons they write for but i think it what i would like to sort of put out into the universe is that i would like people to reflect within themselves mm-hmm. as to why they're writing and why they came into the world of writing in the first place because it and it can often start with, like for a lot of people it often starts as a catharsis where they write to get their feelings out they write to get their emotions out which is fine it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a fair play to start but um, for people who are writing and you know they they know that their content isn't extraordinarily different you know it's not extraordinarily unique or completely something that has never been done before i think i would like people to just sort of understand why they're doing what they're doing and just be introspective i think introspection in general and this mm-hmm. is not just for people who write mm-hmm. for people in general introspection can be such a wonderful tool especially in this information overload Great. time that we're in that you know sit back and just sort of take maybe 10 15 minutes in a day to understand who you are what you're doing why you're doing it you know where you're heading with this and ask yourself these difficult questions because these are difficult questions at the end of the day you don't have answers to you know who am i i wouldn't right. be able to answer that in a single sentence it's very difficult but to ask yourself those difficult questions and to maybe at least get on a journey where you start seeking answers for that is important and once you start that journey once mm-hmm. you start that that path you will find that a lot of what you do in your life becomes very streamlined it becomes very like okay i'm doing this for this so i know what reason this is for and i'm going to follow along with that train of thought in mind so if you're doing something for money at least you're aware you're doing it for money right if you're doing something for creative pursuit yeah. you know that you're doing it for that reason so as long as you are cognizant of what you're doing and why you're doing it i think it's it's much easier for people to then answer these mm-hmm. questions uh, within right. themselves so then does this also come as a general advice to the people who would also think of you know pursuing such a career let's say somebody who's just starting out with their writing would this also come same kind of advice mm. you would give to them yeah. you know following the path and understanding why they're getting into this being clear with themselves that am i getting into this because of a monetary purpose or is it 
my own feelings yeah. attached to yeah. what would you say about that what would your advice to be advice be to the people who are just joining you know who are just beginning their writing careers or wanting to be a part of this you know uh perspective of your hmm. writing and things such as um yeah i mean definitely this would be this would be the number one thing is to figure mm-hmm. out why you're doing what you're doing uh, to begin with and writing in particular um i think whoever starts out with writing will have to sort of understand that the industry quote uh-huh. unquote industry of writing is not very lucrative unless it's in a corporate setting unless it's like you're doing copywriting or you're doing like Con- like content writing and all of that so you have to understand that if you're becoming a writer as in like a fiction writer or a you know like a journal writer whatever whatever is of the usual corporate standpoint then you will have to struggle you will have to see a few days of like not getting employed immediately not finding publishers not finding the right kind of people who want to you know take your material so yeah definitely be very clear with the purpose that you're joining with because if you're joining and if you're starting to write with the intention that okay i'm going to go into an advertising setting and and become a writer copywriter there then it's fairly easy and it's very clear to you that what you want to do and then you will the kind of writing that you'll pursue and the kind of writing that you'll learn yeah. will be in line with that so definitely be very clear while you're writing and be prepared for a lot mm-hmm. a lot of criticism like criticism to writing is <laughs> like oxygen uh-huh. to lungs you cannot you cannot ever be in a room where you're surrounded by writers and not get critical feedback and it cannot break you it can't stop you from writing it shouldn't right. ideally in my opinion because some people maybe i'm not saying all criticism will be valid you will have to sort of do the pros and cons uh-huh. of whatever critique you're getting but you can't let yourself be hurt or be broken by that criticism because most of the times it's not uh, it's not coming from a mean place it's not coming from like an like a malice kind of a mm-hmm. you know intention in their hearts where people are like i'm going to ruin this person's future it comes from a good place maybe some people word uh-huh. it a bit too harshly but you have to like yeah you have to keep keep your faith keep your patience within yourself and just take it with mm-hmm. a pinch of salt like writing should make you get a thick skin and be okay with criticism so yeah definitely understand why you're doing it and yeah. and be okay and with criticism this idealization of yeah. a certain let's say writers or you know people who have been successful in the industry so to say does that come as a plus point or is mm-hmm. that a negative thing to start your journey with because you may look at let's say some writers or publishers that are very successful and may think oh well if yeah. they've been able to do it i may also get the same success is it good or is it a positive thing mm. to enter with such a mindset or no that would have very negative effects on you going into it what would you what would your opinion be on that i mean um if if someone enters into the world of writing uh, with that kind of mindset and with a lot of emotional charge on that mindset i think the downfall might be a little bit too painful because as much as we idealize the the you know wonderful authors and writers that we've mm-hmm. looked up to for so many years the time that they were in and the context that they were in the situations and the circumstances mm-hmm. that formed them are very different to where we are right now so you have to understand that 
circumstance and again context context is everything the circumstance that shapes a writer will contribute to a lot of what the writer is is putting out in their work so for you to kind of get into that like if i if i look up to jane austen and i'm like i'm yes. going to write exactly like jane austen it's not going to be possible and it's untrue to who you are right because you're not jane austen you're shriparna chatterjee and you right. should write like shriparna chatterjee even though you admire who jane austen is and you you would maybe want to understand her frame of mind understand her style of writing understand the the methods of writing that she employed that's good get into the get into the technicalities of it but don't ever like try and copy maybe i would say because that's just going to be uh, a shit show you're never going to be able to find your own voice you're never going to be find like you're never going to find your own stance on things and that is like the biggest downfall of a writer if you can't have a stance in within your own writing then that's just that's bad right. so <laughs> so in yeah. all of these really amazing perspectives on let's say writing what we have gotten from you what would you say about the poetry that you went into like mm-hmm. how did you begin your journey and you know writing poetry and what was your push there was it like right after you started writing did that come hand in hand in glove with that or how was it like yeah. um for me poetry was i think i like i started when i first started writing i used to i used to be a voracious reader i used to read a lot of books so i think writing to me just came like as the natural next step so i started with journaling and within those journals i would like write little poems for my family members on their birthdays and you yeah. know tell them how much i love them <laughs> through those small poems and uh, then it came on to like yeah it became i mean i'm at that point in my life now where i okay. use poetry to communicate i think that's the best way that i can put it i use poetry to communicate not just what i'm feeling but what i want to put out in the world what i want the world to to hear what i want the world to see what i want the world to hear from me so i like the transition from like journaling to poetry and now poetry being almost mm. a form of communication for me was very organic it was very very it just came and i remember uh, having devoted a lot of time to reading poetry to writing poetry for myself even if it was bad poetry right. i just wrote and wrote and wrote and i would fill up tons and tons of diaries and journals and write shit poetry write good poetry mm-hmm. recite my poetry to other people and uh, yeah it was it just became like practice and then from practice it became habit and then from habit it became right. like who i am so yeah it was so, fairly uh, organic that with way. that with that being said how was it like like i believe uh, recently you had performed or you had recited your poetry in front of an audience so mm-hmm. how how did that feel like yeah. being on a stage you know having mm-hmm. the limelight on you and you know who are talking to people like addressing people with your poetry how was what what was that feeling mm-hmm. so um i have done performance poetry since a long time ago like i've been a performance poet within the circles of spoken word for for some time now and because of covid and everything obviously things got shut down so for me to come back to stage and uh, you know come back into like the theatrical presentation of my poetry was uh, incredible because i love being on stage i love performing 
anything like performance to me is another way of communicating to people and i get to sort of put my put my you know dramatic foot right. forward which i always enjoy so um yeah it was it was great it was like having a, a conversation with an audience who appreciated what i had to say and and they were i mean i had a wonderful experience going back on stage again there were a lot of other wonderful poets who wrote um not just in english they wrote in punjabi mm-hmm. some wrote in urdu uh, some wrote in hindi so it was a really good experience for me as well to uh, see how poetry is uh, being written by younger folks in right. other languages in their native tongues and uh, yeah it was a great interaction it was really fun and i hope that once things get better <laughs> which i don't know when they will once things get better i hope the circle of uh, spoken word starts again and we get to see some newer right. better younger poets who are, who who are killing it so yeah <laughs> yes absolutely uh, would you like to maybe share a few lines of your poetry that you may have again like the story the summary that you give do you have any such poetry that you would maybe want to <laughs> i'm putting oh my god <laughs> wow it's like the most uh, conversation i've had about my work with anyone uh-huh. ever um you know i don't remember my poetry but i can i can give you a little bit of a snippet uh, of uh, what i remember right now i won't be able to recite okay. it but i'll give you the gist um i remember back in i think 2014 or 15 i don't know if people will remember this rebox used to be really really popular rebox still are very popular but rebox back in the day were and oh. still are i suppose very yeah. expensive super super expensive like a pair of rebox is exactly. like oh damn you're killing it in life so i remember one of the days that i think i maybe had won some competition in school or something like that yeah. and my father on a whim took me to electricity walk and uh, you know he said that okay cool if you like a pair mm-hmm. of rebox let's get you a pair of rebox and uh, he bought them and it was at oh. that time it was like 6k and damn i was like holy sh- and that was the most i had spent mm-hmm. on a pair of kicks ever <laughs> ever in my life so and like after years and years even though the shoe did not fit for a long time i still kept wearing it up so i'm not letting these go these are extremely precious to me and these are like and you know in a in a middle class family obviously like a pair of shoes for 6000 it's like beta bagle sal you don't ask for anything now yeah this is that your birthday gift is that <laughs> i remember feeling like oh my god these are a big deal and uh, whatever so once um, there's a little bit of a sad news but once my father passed away i remember looking at those pair of shoes again and thinking that you know this is this is the memory of like what i have mm-hmm. of what money used to mean to me of what finances were like and and one pair of shoes can elicit such a strong mm-hmm. memory from you know back in the day so i wrote a poem on that and i i sort of like i reminisced and i did my little whatever emotional stuff there also but yeah it was it was nice it was interesting to to be able to see a pair of shoes and think back and think back to a different time in your life just with a pair of yeah. shoes just with an object yeah. essentially so yeah that so kind just, of just thinking yeah, about right. it is you know really a really nice thought like the way you at least portrayed it in at least in my imagination it yeah. would bring out a lot of memories you know just the it being about a pair of shoes but yeah. then the memory and stories behind it and the right. your father which i'm really sorry to hear about uh yeah that's amazing thing to even imagine <laughs> something is imagining it right now 
<laughs> I mean, I hope so. <laughs> I tell you. Yeah, so as uh, now, so okay, Sounds getting good. to that, Shripa. Now, what do you? As I feel, we should be able conversation here while we're ending it. Is there some is there some message or something that you'd like to you know give our listeners as an end note? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Subscribe to Blue Bow Podcast. Listen to this guy because <laughs> he's doing some amazing work. And I am just like, ever since you announced the podcast and you said that you were, you know, taking in guests and everything, I was, I swear, I was jumping up and down like a six-year-old. I was like, no, this needs to be big because these kind of conversations are incredible and people need to listen to them. Mm-hmm. So whoever is listening right now. follow that button on spotify follow him follow his bakery follow all the good uh-huh. stuff that he does cuz he's super smart and he's really really knowledgeable so yeah i'm thank i'm super impressed much. thank Just you for having a, me on <laughs> clarification to our listeners that that was not a paid promotion <laughs> i will talk i will transfer the money into your account after yeah that. yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you my invoice you can just send me like five cupcakes and I'll consider <laughs> thank you thank you very much for your kind words and uh, yes to our listeners I recently saw our analytics we do have uh, listeners now that are listening in from Texas yes uh, Texas in America who are listening someone in Ooh. Canada and Germany is also listening and India people that are listening so, wow You know what you should do just for ending. You should say hi in in uh, as many languages as you know of these countries. In Canada, America, <laughs> yeah, like hi, and then maple syrup, and that's it. That's it. One of you German people that are listening to us, or however, I don't know, but I'll try from the next episode. That was a really nice idea. Yes. Yeah. Definitely try that. So, That'll uh, be interesting. Again, thank you very much, Shri Parna, for joining today's session and bringing us so much insight into the world of writing and poetry and all the knowledge that you have. Thank you for that. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. I feel really yeah. honored. Thank you so much. <laughs> and uh, to our guests, uh, thank you for listening in. Uh, the Blue Bow Podcast is available on uh, literally every. streaming platform i guess if you're already listening to us you know where we are <laughs> but if you're not you can find us on apple podcast you yes. can find us on spotify geo seven gana and basically anywhere where you get your podcast along with that i would like to say if you have an interesting story or something that you would like to bring to us bring to our attention or bring to the attention of our listeners head over to instagram the blue sorry blue bow podcast i keep messing up the name that i have we have on instagram by the name of blue bow podcast <laughs> head there to the link in the description you can fill out a google form register yourself as a guest on the blue bow podcast and maybe get a chance to you know say your story out loud to everybody else and show your perspective to the world uh and also you will find shiparna's personal details will not her aadhar card number in the description <laughs> <laughs> No. You are not the scammer. You will find. Will, we will be linking our Instagram <laughs> and all those details in the description of this. You can definitely go and check out her work and follow her, and maybe give us some feedback on how nice did they did you like this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So once again, thank feedback. you everyone yes. for listening. Take care and. Uh,